Well, today is already the third Sunday in Lent, brothers and sisters. And remember, this is once again kind of a mini Easter. We, we, we are preparing our hearts for uh, remembering especially clearly the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross on Good Friday, and why that was essential. That is what we are doing during the, the, the time between you know, Monday and Saturday, and including of those days. But then on Sunday, we are celebrating kind of a mini Easter. We are reminding ourselves not only of why Jesus made that sacrifice, but we are also focusing on Sunday on the reality that Jesus' sacrifice was not in vain. Good Friday was not the end of the story of Jesus, but rather it was just the, the, the crisis that led up to the climax, which is Jesus' resurrection on Easter and his victory on our behalf over sin and death and so on. And so today, we are focusing on the reality that, that because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have been adopted into God's family and been made into citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to look first at Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 4, verse 1. Let's, uh, let's listen to that. Paul is writing here to the people of Philippi, and he is advising them to follow his example. Now, he's not doing that because he is arrogant or anything like that. He is doing this in humility, saying, look, you guys are having some struggles. There are some fights going on between you. In fact, just after this passage, Paul pleads with two uh, women in particular and says to Euodia and uh, Syntyche, uh, that's a hard, Syntyche, Syntyche, that's a hard name to say. I'm not used to that one. But anyways, uh, he pleads with them both to live at peace with one another. And that's pretty rare for Paul to call out a couple of people in particular for their bad behavior. He only does that a few times. And so he does that here just after this. And he's saying in this section, be like me in this, right? Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. 
And then we'll follow on right away with Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to 55. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Now, uh, just to interject, we don't really know whether these are Pharisees who, like a bunch of Pharisees, were sort of leaning in favor of Jesus and, and sort of secret followers of Jesus, and they were genuinely trying to do good and, and warn Jesus about this, uh, this plot. Uh, or whether they were they were trying to manipulate Jesus into leaving because they didn't like him around. We don't really know what these particular Pharisees' motives were. But that being said, Jesus will have none of it. He says, uh, he replied, Go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can, be, can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who will kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Amen. Well, we have, we have a couple of things going on here that we need to focus on in, uh, Paul, or in Jesus' talk here. So we already talked about how we don't know exactly what the motivations of these Pharisees are, uh, but we do know what the motivation of Herod is, at least we think we do. Herod was a pretty mean and spiteful person. He was also kind of paranoid, and, and he was the same guy who had uh, John the Baptist beheaded. He he was also the same guy who killed off many of his own children for fear that they would try and plot to take over his throne. Not only that, but this is, uh, this is, this is a guy who is not above uh, trying to kill off countless children as well. So Herod is not a great guy. And we know what his motivations are. But then we need to unpack a little bit what's going on when Jesus says, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. Notice that that's sort of in quotes. And, and this is because Jesus is talking about uh, the, the reality that he is traveling towards his death and resurrection. And the third day that he is referring to is not necessarily specifically the third day after the literal day that he is in right now in that story, but rather the third day as in the day upon which he rises from the dead. Because that is his goal. When he will be victorious on our behalf for, uh, against sin and death and Satan and all of that. 
But then he goes back in verse 33 a little bit, and he says, anyways, even if, even if that wasn't the case, I have to keep on going because the reality is that nobody, no prophet is going to die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where they kill all of God's faithful prophets. And that's a little bit of hyperbole because not every prophet was killed in Jerusalem, but it's not much of an exaggeration. The reality is, is that God sent prophets, and this is part of the reason why the, the job of the faithful prophet was not seen as a real good job, right? Uh, you know, Ezekiel, uh, for example, he was all excited about being a priest. He was going to be a priest and that was going to be a good job. Right? But then God comes to him and says, Oh, no, no, no. You're going to be a prophet. And, and Ezekiel sits on the shore of a river for days, weeping and being upset about the reality that his job plans have changed, partly because his job plans had changed to become a prophet, which he knew was going to be a thankless and often horrible job. So, Jesus is not exaggerating a lot when he says this, but also he is talking, of course, about the reality that the people of Israel as a whole, as symbolized by the city of Jerusalem, have long killed God's prophets. And how God and God is used, uh, God uses through Jesus the metaphor of a hen and her chicks. How God has constantly been reaching out to Israel, reaching out to Jerusalem, saying, Come, come, I will take you away from all of this trouble, all of this struggle, all of this sorrow, all of your sin, all of your filth. I will take you away and I will enclose you under my wings. And you will be safe. But of course, Jerusalem says no. And Israel says no. And the rest of the world says no. And we say no. Far too often. And so they say, Jesus says that they will, they will not submit to being gathered together. Instead, they are left desolate. And then, of course, he goes back and he speaks again prophetically about um, his journey to the cross and to the resurrection. And he says, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's a clear connection to the, the day of the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. But what does this have to do with our citizenship? What does it have to do with what Paul was talking about with regards to conflict and with regards to living at peace with one another and with regards to <clears throat> having our minds set on our stomachs or our, our destination being destruction potentially? What, how does that all connect? Well, it all connects in terms of our perspective on everything right in order to truly live this life as we were meant to live it we need to understand who god is 
and who we are and what this world, this universe is. And when we understand those things in the proper perspective, then we can live as we were meant to live. Oh, I just now am thinking I should have brought a diagram that I had for the PowerPoint, but I didn't think of it until just now. Okay, so you're going to have to use your imagination. Okay, so this is how you can think about this a little bit. So there is something called uh, right, right belief, um, and it's sort of akin to right theology, good theology. It's called orthodoxy, right? And we're not talking Eastern orthodoxy particularly. Uh, that's the name of a, of a denomination, sort of, right? We're talking about orthodoxy is right believing, right? And then there is right practice, the things that we do, which is orthopraxis. And I didn't just make up that word. It's an actual word, orthopraxis, right? And, and you imagine those being circles that sort of overlap a little bit, right? And then there's other one. There's another one called orthocardia, which is a word that, that I stole from an article which the art author made up. So but I can't remember his name, so I can't credit him properly. But it wasn't me. Orthocardia, which means right heart, right? Your heart is in the right place, right? So that's another circle, right? And then the last one is uh, one that I totally made up and is not real at all. It's orthocogitaire, which is right thinking, right? Because we know that we can believe the right things, but then still be thinking the wrong things, right? Like, I believe that I am a redeemed son of God, but sometimes I think to myself, man, you're a piece of garbage. Not true, right? So my thinking can be wrong. And so those four things, orthodoxy, orthopraxis, orthocogitaire, ortho... um, cardia, right? Those things are in a sort of a square and they overlap in the middle. And in the middle, you've got this sort of diamond shape, right? And that is the sweet spot. And if we can get where all of those things meet in the middle, where our right thinking, our right practice, our right heart, and our right beliefs are all in the same, we're all, we're there, then we're in the sweet spot. That is where a Christian is meant to be. That is where a human is meant to be. That's awesome, right? And and you know those times. They may be very rare or whatever, but you know those times when everything is as it should be and you have actually, by God's grace, done something and said something and thought something and felt something and they're all aligned and oh, so good, right? And, And this is what we're shooting for. And so in order to do that, we need to understand who God is, who we are, and what this world is. And in order to do that, we need to remember that you are, because of God, because of who God is, because of God's grace, because of Jesus' victory on the cross and His victory in resurrection, you are not, not doomed to eternal hellfire. You are not simply something that is here today and will be gone tomorrow, but you, you are going to live forever. Forever. If, if you think 
of the time that a, that a baby, an infant, a, a fetus spends in the womb as sort of a metaphor for this life, right? then that can give you a little bit of perspective because the life, hopefully, that that child has after they are born, hopefully, is a lot bigger than the life they have in the womb, right? So too, our life here, even if it is a hundred years, is teeny tiny tiny, even more so than the comparison between a baby in the womb and us in this earth, right? And so if you know that, if you know that you have been transformed from someone who deserves death and destruction in the lake of fire to someone who has been adopted into the very family of God as a child of God, as a brother to Christ and friend to Christ, and as someone who will then live forever in heaven, then that changes a whole lot of perspective. Think for a moment about Vladimir Putin, right? Vladimir Putin is putting all this effort in to conquer, supposedly, Ukraine, and who knows what else. But if your life is this tiny little blip in the whole history of your life beyond this, why would you bother? Why would that be important? How would that be good? Is that setting you up for success in your later life? Are you going to be like, oh yeah, hey, I learned how to conquer a country in, in you know, this life, and so now in heaven, I can conquer everything else? What? It doesn't make any sense. Right? So too for us, if we remember these realities, then the things of this earth change in what they appear to be, right? So Euodia and Syntyche, who are, who are upset with, the other, with each other, Paul is pleading with them, and this is what verse 2, uh, two and 3 say um, with regards to this. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life come on the bible doesn't say what they were fighting about who knows maybe it was some important theological doctrine or maybe maybe i don't know who knows right but paul says please Remember, your name is in the book of life. Your citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. Don't let this get in the way. You worked with me for the gospel. You strove for the gospel. So don't let this get in the way. In a like manner, Jesus can, can with his heart aching, for the city of Jerusalem, with his heart aching for the people of Israel, Jesus can look with seeming equanimity upon the reality of him heading off to die. 
right? He doesn't say, oh no, I'm going to die. Right? He says, if Herod wants to come get me, here I am. I'm going to carry on and do what's important. He says, I know. I know I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. Not here because, you know, you can't die outside of Jerusalem. But I'm going to die. I'm going to die in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, once again, is going to reject the prophet that God has sent her. I'm going to do it anyway. How can they do that? They do that because... Paul does that because, Jesus does that because, because they know where their citizenship is. So, brothers and sisters, our primary citizenship, yes, we have probably, I think all of us have citizenship papers for Canada, a passport, birth certificate, whatever, right? Canada has some really great things about it. But that is a distant, distant second to our citizenship in heaven. Right? That's what matters. That's where my loyalties really lie. And that means that I'm going to work hard to build up treasures in that kingdom. Right? Not treasures as in actual gold and jewels, but treasures as in I am going to serve as Christ served. I'm going to love as Christ loved. I am going to work as Christ worked. I am going to rest as Christ rested. I'm going to do what God calls me to do as best I can by God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in community with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that means I'm going to make peace between me and others. I'm going to help peace be there for others. I'm going to facilitate peacemaking in this world. I'm going to try and bring reconciliation because that's what Jesus says. Jesus says through Paul again that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to do that. And if that means (laughs) eating some humble pie and apologizing to Euodia or syntyche, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to work as God tells the people of Israel to do when they are in exile. I am going to work for the good of Babylon. Babylon being a metaphor here for whatever country I happen to be in. I'm going to work for the good of Canada. Right? I'm going to love Canada because I am a citizen of, of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to work for Canada's good because I'm working for the good of the kingdom here on earth. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news of the gospel of the Easter story for us today. 
that we are no longer citizens of this world primarily. We are instead citizens of the kingdom of heaven because of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can work for the good of our country, Canada, whatever country we're in, because of Jesus because of his love for us, because of our citizenship, remembering that this is just little, little. And we have so much infinitely more in store. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so very much that your son Jesus came and sacrificed himself for us. Lord, we are humbled that somehow, somehow, us murdering your son could bizarrely result in the opportunity for us to become your sons and daughters through adoption because of Jesus. Thank you so, so very much. Lord, help us to keep our eyes focused on you. To not get tied up and bogged down by the things of this world, whether they are pleasures or whether they are pains, whether they are worries or whether they are joys. Lord God, help us to focus on being kingdoms or citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And in doing so, may we focus on loving and serving in your name and through your power. Lord, may we make right what is wrong. May we heal what is hurt. May we repair that which is broken. And may we do so in your name. Amen.